Bonjour and welcome back guys to another episode of Boots and Engines with me, Julian De Silva. Now I hope you guys have been having a great week ahead because there's much in store for you this coming week. Now, a few days ago I was actually just watching TV and what program happened to appear on Astro Supersport was the 2013-2014 season highlights and all the goals, you know, so of the EPL. And this this def- definitely excited me because it's nice to watch and relive the memories of the past seasons and the goals and you know all the actions that happened back then. So of course, willingly I changed the channel and I was watching it and it was such a good time going down mem- memory lane and this was one of the few inspirations that decided me to do this episode. Because thinking about it, how different it was back then in the season, the past few seasons, um, to be exact, 2015 and before that, yeah, those were like, the, the, those were the prime seasons, I would say, because the the real aggressive players were there, the determined players were there, the, the ones that really didn't care about anything else but the love for the beautiful game. And, you know, watching this, um, and, you know, along the few other days, they were showing the years before that as well, the 2009, 2011, and 12. So it was nice seeing all of it. And, you know, collectively, I got to, you know, see some of the those players that actually inspired me and some of the players which I actually used to love watching and love watch playing, you know. And, you know, some of them, um, they may not be as successful as they are today, but, you know, it was nice to see <clears throat> how much they performed and how much they contributed to their team back then. And, you know, some of them, um, they did uh, become more successful after leaving the clubs that they were back then. And eventually some of them went to retire. Some of them are still playing, of course, at an older age. But seeing that was just, it was, it was a beautiful scene, honestly. And one player that um, I would say among these three players that, I'm willing to talk about is sort of the third one that would be Kevin Prince Boateng. I'm sure some of you would have remembered him, right? Um, not, not maybe m- many of you may not remember him from his Premier League days. I'm not sure about that, but I'm sure some of you knew he was playing for clubs like Schalke, AC Milan, and and most recently he actually moved. He went alone to Barcelona. Who would have thought of that, right? Now, Kevin Prince Boateng was an interesting player he when I started watching him he was playing for Portsmouth Portsmouth um, I mean some of you will know it, it was a, they used to be in the Premier League and they they were in the Premier League for about seven years and they got relegated and have been ever since but what um, what I like about Kevin Prince Sporting is he he's a very flexible player I would say not not flexible in the sense of positions but in terms of his abilities he's as we've seen in like all the games that he's played, he is pretty good body strength. I mean, looking at him, he's not huge, but he's he has a good physique which proves his strength, and that's what I liked about him. He had strength, he had good foot speed, and he, you know he did he did have a few good juggling skills. But um, you know, sadly, he did didn't he wasn't the best at all. Um, you know, the top goal scorers in any leagues or whatsoever. But he did prove his point at some matches, at some games, that he was a useful player, you know. At his time in Portsmouth, unfortunately, he only spent um, one year, one season there. Previously, he had been bought by 
he was bought from Tottenham actually if some of you didn't know he spent um, was it one or two seasons there at Tottenham before Portsmouth bought him along with many other players as well now looking at uh, Kevin Prince Boateng he, he came from a mixed uh, background actually and oh, also to add on uh, if some of you didn't know he is the brother of Jerome Boateng the current Bayern Munich defender um, now I'm sure you're wondering um, actually Jerome Boateng and Kevin Prince Boateng both were born in Germany but uh, they were mixed, uh, raised by mixed parental of parental descent and um, his mom if you're not mistaken his mom was Ghanaian and yeah his dad was German so both of them started off playing for the Germany youth team and eventually Jerome continued to play for Germany while Kevin opted to play for his mother's home mother's you know home country which is Ghana so from 2010 onwards he opted to play for Ghana instead but apart from that you know many did, many have described Kevin Prince Boateng as a blessed player with such strength speed killer instinct in front of goal now I would agree to disagree because let's face it Kevin Prince Boateng has played for many clubs. He has played for 12 clubs and currently in his 13th club. So, let's look at this. He, he, he did have his spells for many clubs, some of the big clubs actually, after he left Portsmouth. He, he, I would say his biggest or rather his most successful spell was with AC Milan, having had 85 appearances and sadly only 11 goals. But you know, he did prove some particular instincts when he was back at the club you know despite him having um, all this success and all that I would say that Kevin Prince Boateng is rather a perfect definition of um, a one-hit wonder you, you know if you, if you guys understand that term then you would get it you know because he is why he has played for these 13 clubs is because he would have a successful run for a short period of time and then he'll just lose it after a while and he loses interest with the club um, causing him to move. Like there are at least two or three clubs where he has spent only a season at. This includes Portsmouth. He spent just one season scoring a few goals and then he'll move because he's not satisfied. Or in many occasions, like when he was playing for Schalke, he did have some um, player issues and, you know, attitude problems and discipline problems you know so that that caused his contract to be terminated which forced him to which you know led him to moving back to AC Milan and apart but you know despite all this he was a very creative player especially like you know what caught my eye was when he was playing for Portsmouth you know I was like wow well this guy is pretty good and after a while I lost touch of him you know because Portsmouth got relegated and I wasn't really sure or I didn't really keep in tact of, you know, where these players, <coughs> where their whereabouts were. But, you know, eventually I found out, oh, he moved to AC Milan. I was like, wow, that's like such a good sign for him. You know, I was like, oh, wow, he's going to probably be really successful. And then, you know, seeing the games that he played, the goals that he scored, and, you know, he's contributed a lot, especially in the Champions League, which I've watched. I mean, because I don't really uh, pay attention to the Serie A matches back then, but, you know, Champions League, of course. So, you know, there were a few goals he contributed, especially the one against there was one against Barcelona, Barcelona, which they beat them to carry on to move on to was it the semi-finals or the quarterfinals? I think yeah. So 
those are some of the contributions he's made. He also is the joint um, scorer for the fastest hat-trick in the Serie A, scoring a hat-trick in 14 minutes, but the current top one is David Trezeguet from that was playing for Juventus. He scored it in about 10 minutes. So yeah, he almost broke a record then. That would have been something for him at least. But you know, nevertheless, he did prove his point and he, he played well, you know. He currently, uh, Kevin Prince Boateng is playing for Basiktas on loan from Fiorentina. Yeah, so he did have uh, a surprising short spell with Barcelona, but that didn't prove much of a difference because he was signed on loan to to cave in for one of Barcelona's injured players. I can't remember, was it you know, Messi or Luis Suarez? Yeah, but he was there for a temporary amount of time and there was um, <coughs> speculations that he might um, become permanent because apparently um, the player wasn't going to be recovering very soon. But, you know, Cambridge Boateng, I think at that top level, it wasn't very easy for him to cope with Barcelona style and he apparently wasn't put in the first 11 very often which is quite surprising if they if their only reason to bring him in was to fill in the spot of the injured player then why would he not put the person on often as a first 11 right so yeah eventually he got sent back to Fiorentina and now he's on loan at Besiktas well um, he is seemingly okay that he's got quite a few goals for the first number of games but obviously now with the COVID-19 the games aren't going on now so we'll have to see what happens later on but the moral of, of this little story of Kevin Prince Boateng I think you know if he kept his mind straight and you know did what was right I think he would have been that same player he was back in Portsmouth because I really like like I said I really enjoyed him but after several years and the clubs he's playing for, even though he has gone to bigger clubs and whatnot, he kind of downgraded from there. So that was quite, you know, quite a disappointing thing to see. Well, apart from Kim Prince Boateng, I would likely consider um, a player of my favorite team, Manchester United, which was Nani. I'm sure all of you remember, most of you would remember Louis Nani. He was, wow, I really love Nani. He was, he was one of the best players during that era where, you know, United were rather flying high, especially during the 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. So those are some of the best moments of the clubs. And I was glad that, you know, Nani was part of the contribution to these successes the club have had. And, you know, Nani as individual play, he is really fast, I would say. Nani has one of the best speeds. He had one of the best, best speeds in the Premier League during that era you know because during that era you you did have the lights of Didier Drogba and you had Lampard Terry and who else was there there were so many other players you know these are the prime times where there were the Premier League was big and um, the competition was rather high you know like Man City were there but they weren't as competitive as they are now so you know like the clubs like Chelsea Arsenal United, Liverpool, they were all there, you know, in the mingle to like scramble for the title and top four. So it was really intense and seeing all these players playing and all that, it was it was just amazing. And then back back to Nani, you know, he he's a really a, a real wholesome, you know, he's got good speed, he's got in case some of you didn't realise, Nani may look small, but he is quite um uh, a powerful, uh, aggressive person. You know, he has pretty good strength. If I wasn't mistaken that um, 
when Nani had came to when the United had came to Malaysia, um, someone had checked, um, or someone I knew that was part of the, that was taking care of the United squad while they were here, happened to check Nani's jersey, and some of you may think Nani is a small guy, but he was actually wearing like a double XL jersey. Now who would think of that? Like Nani was actually that big, but on camera he looked small. So it was it was pretty surprising to see things like that. You know, like his physique is actually pretty good. And he has amazing dribbling skills. I'm 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 sure you guys you guys have to take a look at some of the videos if you guys have not seen it before. It's amazing. Like his his skills and dribbling skills are amazing. And let's not forget his shooting power. Nani has one of the best shooting powers in the Premier League during that era. I have to say, like oh wow, remembering some of the goals he has scored. Wow, it's just incredible like you know he's shooting power he, he doesn't even have to like curve the boy just like shoots it straight and like it just pokes it the goal i'm like what and especially this one the one game was it the i think it was 2012 2013 season when united had played chelsea and he was just running off the d box and he just ran and he just blasted the ball and peter check didn't even look at the ball because he couldn't even see the ball it was that fast and so powerful, you know, like things like that. And Nani was, I don't know, I just, I just loved him as a player. He didn't really cause much trouble or cause any scenes or whatever. He, he, he's one player that was very determined for the game. He was a hardworking player. He, he was doubted by Sir Alex Ferguson at a few times, you know, especially when he first joined in 2007. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, you know, wow, Nani, you know, is another, another recruit from Sporting Lisbon just after Ronaldo and then Ronaldo left in 2009 for Real Madrid so everyone was the weight on Nani was pretty heavy because they expected him to fill his compatriot you know his his place you know since they're both Portuguese and they both come from the same club so you know the expectations are rather high you know as obviously at many points in Ronaldo's life he has always left a high level of you know, ability and, uh, you know, really high thing, high place to fill, you know, as you know, we know Ronaldo's ability and what he can do while playing football. So, Nani had a lot to fill in and he really worked super hard because, like, Sir Alex Ferguson isn't one to play nice, you know, he will criticise his players if he has to. He did so with Nani, you know, he was saying that, oh, you know, you're not proving your point, you're not doing well enough, you know, what what are you going to do about it? And Nani obviously was, you know, pretty down, but Nani didn't give up. He proved his point and he eventually did better than everyone expected, which was really good. And I would say that <coughs> out of all the clubs that um, he's had his spells with, um, his most successful spell has to be United, you know, spending over eight years with the club, making 140, 47 appearances and scoring about 25 goals. So, that isn't too bad for Nani, you know, for a right right winger. Often he played left as well. But, you know, he did he did have a good uh, time at Man United. And it was definitely wonderful seeing players like him being able to do stuff like that in the Premier League because it's so hard to find people like that now. Yes, they are skillful and fast, but it was different back then. Speed, agility, pace, dribbling was so different back then as it was as it is compared to now you know it's 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 a whole different ball game i would say you know and 
people like Nani, Iron Robin, Frank Ribery, you know, these kind of places, you know, these places were fast and full of skill, you know, you, you can't find them in players like right now, you know, like, yes, Kevin De Bruyne, you've got Kevin De Bruyne, you've got Christian Pulisic, you've got Jane Sancho, yes, players like that, they are capable, but it's not up to the level of the players like Nani and Frank Ribery and Robin, you know, it's it's just different. But, you know, that's, that's how football changes, you know, it evolves and things like this happen, you know, but what can we do? And, well, last but not least, um, this is one of my favorite players of all time. Well, honestly, uh, Wayne Rooney grew my love for football, like watching him, admiring him. He really, he really changed the game of football, to be honest. He was the one reason I continued supporting Manchester United and continued growing my love for football. Now, Rooney was considered as one of the best players of his generation. So we're talking about, yes, Lampard, Terry Stime, Drogba, you know, all those guys. And he, Rooney was a very, Rooney is the definition of a hard-working player. You know, it's, there's nothing to hide about that and there's nothing to lie about because it is so true. Watching all the United games and, and his current games as well, even when he was, even now as Rooney is 34 years old, but still he, he doesn't, his age doesn't make him, you know, it doesn't shame him, you know, it doesn't make a difference for him because Rooney is a very, he's, a, he's an aggressive player, but he's so hardworking, like, he would, he would run back past the halfway line to the defence just to get a tackle and keep the game going his way and, you know, towards his attacking side. And one amazing example was when United was, sorry, when um, Rooney was playing for DC United, the American club. And it was the 94th minute, if I'm not mistaken. It was 2-2. And, you know, uh, the opponent, if I'm not mistaken, was Atlanta United. I think so. You know, the play, because the keeper, the keeper had come up um, for the corner kick and the keeper was running back. So everyone was just running and running. And there is the opponent running the ball, you know, running towards their side to score a goal. And there you see run, Rooney running from the penalty box all the way back to his defence line, cutting out an amazing slide tackle just to keep running back, crossing it. And uh, one of um, the DC United players hit it in for a goal. And they scored. I mean, like, look at that. How not everyone can do something like that. Like, how would you imagine... What are the chances of somebody tackling a player, getting the ball, crossing it, and having their their teammates score? That is incredible, honestly. That is the things that Rooney can do, and some of you may find it hard to imagine because even back then Rooney wasn't Rooney isn't a small player. He is pretty big, but for his size, he's pretty fast for his size. I must say, you know, back then even Rooney's pretty he's he was pretty bulky back then. Like, not not so much a muscle, but you know he was big, big like. And it was amazing how he still pushed himself to run. And, you know, that's what makes great players, you know, they, they don't care what they look like or whatever. They, and as long as they have the determination and the ability to push harder and show their commitment and do anything for the club and, you know, be a, be a contribution to the success. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, I can probably say that, you know, Rooney has... All of that effort didn't go to waste because look at him now. He is 
the record goal scorer of England and Manchester United. Like, come on. Like, not everyone can achieve that, you know. It's it's just an amazing achievement for Rooney, honestly, especially when he's at his peak right now, coming towards retirement and probably in a few years' time. But, you know, having ending his having almost ending his career with having scored 53 goals for England, he beat um, Sir Bobby Charlton's record as well at Manchester United with 253 goals. So that that is something amazing, I would say. As a Manchester United fan, I was, I'm glad to have witnessed that, you know, like to see that happening as I watch football from my starting, you know, when I first started watching football, you know, when I was growing up to love football and enjoy it even more, to actually see someone like Rooney breaking an all-time goal scorer's record. So it's it's just amazing, you know, especially Rooney. Rooney is a wonderful player, I must say. There's, I, don't, I don't think there's anyone else that can be just like him. Even though there's Messi and Ronaldo, there's, there's really no one like Rooney, I must say. Yeah, it's... Wow. Good times. Sad, sad to say we don't really have players like this right now, but, you know, that's, that's life, you know. And... It's also it's also funny because you know apart from all these players, um, I wouldn't say dissolving, but you know they're not making their mark right now because they're either old or at an older age or they've probably fallen out from other clubs. The it's also sad to see how some of the clubs that used to be really successful during the times I grew up watching are barely nothing now. You know they're they're either probably off they're not even in the top six or they're probably relegated, you know. And, you know, one one club that this is out of the Premier League, but one club that I truly am upset to see um, you know, they're not performing at their best is AC Milan. I mean AC Milan for me back then was like for me was my favorite um my favorite team outside of the EPL. You know, I loved AC Milan. It, AC Milan was just a wonderful team. They had I mean come on, looking at that the everything I, I don't know everything that's related right now is has to do with the 2009 and 2010 season because that was the prime time you know I mean that was when I was really really into football and those are some of the best moments in football to be honest and having some of the best players in the best clubs like in AC Milan you had Clarence Seedorf you had Andrea Pirlo you had Ambrosini David Beckham Thiago Silva Ronaldinho Dida Abiati, Pato, you know, all all these players were playing for AC Milan. I mean, like, could you have asked for a better squad? Like, come on. I mean, even though, uh, I mean, let's say, even though I was quite happy that United surprisingly beat them in the Champions League at both legs. So that was pretty surprising. You know, I, I didn't expect much because they had Ronaldinho and Beckham in the squad. So I was like, ah, oh, shit, we're probably going to lose. But, you know, they proved me wrong. And it's it's sad to see because, like, is Milan now they they barely finish even in the top five, not even the top four. You know, so it's it's quite sad to see because we're talking about the two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, ten, eleven. You know, all those years, East Milan were finishing in the top three or if not champions. You know, and and you know they didn't have um the likes of. Juventus competing back then because Juventus Juventus wasn't weren't a big club back then you know even though they had Del Piero and Trezeguet and whatnot they weren't as big as AC Milan and Inter Milan you know like the clubs that were actually soaring in the top four top five were 
AC Milan, Inter Milan, AS Roma, Lazio, Napoli. You know, all these guys, you know, these teams. But, you know, it's sad to see how they are now. Like, AC Milan in particular, like, they, they lost a lot. You know, they went through a lot of financial issues. They went through a lot of players' crisis and whatnot. And um, they had so much going on, you know. But it's it's so sad to see how things back then and now it's so different. You know, I, I really miss it. You know, that's... That's really sad. And, you know, for me, one of the best coaches they had was Leonardo. Leonardo is currently the technical director of PSG. But, you know, seeing him as a manager, he was a pretty good manager, I would say, during his time at AC Milan. Because, let's let's face it, he brought some of the best players in AC Milan. And that's what is happening with him in PSG. That's how we brought all the best players to PSG as well. It's because of him. He is one of the main contributions, actually, if many of you didn't know. So, it's sad, it's really sad, it's really sad to see some of these clubs like AC Milan going downhill. And another one would be rather surprising, but like I mentioned, it was Kevin Prince, Boateng, Soma Club, Portsmouth. Yes, Portsmouth were a low-level club, but mind you, this is an actual fact. Many of you don't know, but Portsmouth have nurtured and brought up some of the most well-known players right now like literally i'm not even joking like some of the best players right now they may not have gone to heights of ronaldo or messi but they have made a name for themselves and they're pretty good i would say like let me name me some few examples i would say we have kevin prince Ponteng. that's one for example then you have peter crouch you have jermaine defoe you've got nico Kranja. you've got Sorry, you've got Asmir Begovic. Yeah, Asmir Begovic played for <laughs> Portsmouth. And then you have Glenn Johnson. You have... Uh, damn, who else? And the rest of them uh, didn't make the names, but, you know, these this are some of the players which really caught my eye as well. You had, like, David James. You had Jamie O'Hara. You had Papa Buba Dio. You had Frederick Piccioni. Frederick Piccioni, guys. Frederick Piccioni was a was the man, guys. Come on. He was such a cool player. And, you know, watching people like him and Kanu. Oh, my God. Who, would, who won't forget Kanu? You know, these guys, you know, even though they were, I won't say, they, they weren't a shitty club or anything, but even though they weren't, you know, the top players or weren't the top club, but these players were so determined, you know. These players were one of the most determined players I would, have ever seen you know and there was once upon a time where i actually you know had the had dream or had the wish i would actually play for portsmouth one day like it's so weird but you know i just had that thought because portsmouth was that club you know it's a the, it's, it was like a community club everyone enjoyed that club and they may not have many successes and you know along the way they eventually went into a bad state where they went into administration and they were on the route to having a very, very serious financial problem, which eventually after they got relegated, they were bought over by different owners. They were owned by um, Middle Eastern um, businessmen, and then eventually they sold the club after they got relegated. Now, during this 2009-2010 season, uh, Portsmouth had finished 20th, and they were eventually relegated, relegated to Champions League, but... In that season, they didn't have a bit or a little 
a little touch of success, close to it, I would say. I mean, the big success in that season came in the 2009-2010 FA Cup. Man, what a run. What a run they had, you know. They advanced, they advanced, they had a quite, they didn't have the easiest of journey, I would say, but they had a decent journey on the way to the finals. They, they started off with Coventry, Coventry City, which they beat them, and then they had Sunderland, Southampton, Birmingham, and in the semi-finals, they beat Spurs 2-0. Now, that was a really crucial game, especially because um, two of the goals were due to mistakes by the players. The first one was when the uh, Tottenham keeper and player um, clashed. Was it uh, Jorilio, Jorilio Gomez and and one of the defenders? I can't remember exactly who was it, but, you know, they knocked each other and, no, the defenders slipped. And, you know, Frederick Piccione had the ball and he just tapped it in, you know, it was like, it's moments like that. They were rather lucky in a sense, but, you know, you could see the joy that brought into the fans. These fans that Portsmouth have, they don't care what state their club is. They were like, continue to sport in sport their club. You know, like, as I mentioned about, in my previous episode about Newcastle and all the lower clubs, you know, these are the community. They have huge fans. These fans don't care about the status of their, the money status or whether they have amazing top talents or what. They support the club as it is and they will follow the club throughout the journey. And this is what Portsmouth fans did, you know. And they would, I remember watching the game, they were just soaring with joy and they were so excited because the first goal came and that was already big enough for them. But later on, Kevin Prince Boateng scored the penalty and the Wembley went wild. I, would th- I was, I'm saying, like, it literally went wild. It's like they won the Champions League or the Premier League. It was amazing, you know, seeing scenes like this for such a club like that. But obviously, even, eventually, they, they could have won the FA Cup Finals, to be honest. They had so many chances. Kevin Prince Boateng missed like two when Frederick Piccioni missed one I was like oh my god watching the game I was like oh damn and then of course who else but Didier Drogba scored the one and only free kick which led them to win the FA Cup but after that obviously it was a sad ending to them as they got relegated and they have been in the championship ever since you know so it was it was pretty sad but you know it was it was a joy to watch a club like them a club like Portsmouth in the Premier League. I actually do hope that they come back to the Premier League one day and, you know, someone actually helps them. I hope the owners or, you know, if they get new owners, they would actually uh, pitch in more money and hopefully they will, it will be interesting to see them coming back in the Premier League, you know. That's, that's a dream I would hope would happen. Now, moving on to the French League, the Liga, I would say, for me, the the club I grew up watching was Marseille. Yes, Ma- many many may not see Marseille as a big club. They were, but they were a big club back then. You know, they were winning the Liga. You know, and back then there was no such thing as no. There was not. There was no such thing. But PSG were like a basic club. PSG were just like a, a probably a, a a Bournemouth or a Newcastle. You know, that kind of <laughs> you know a you know a mid table club back then quite hard to imagine but it's true you know and they were managed by Didier Deschamps where Didier Deschamps as everyone would know is the current France manager and what he's done with the club is amazing so you can imagine what how Marseille were back then they were winning games you know they were thrashing teams and you know flying through the Champions League not going through all the way but still they were progressing and doing well now 
Marseille had some of the best players as well. Look at that. They, they still have Steve Mandanda. He's one of their longer-serving players, I would say. Then you have Tai Taiwo. Well, oh my god, I can't... Oh my god, bring that, it brings back so many memories, this centre-back. And then you have Benoit Cheru, oh, that centre midfielder, if some of you may know. Lucho Gonzalez was one of their top wingers. Then you've got their top striker, Brandao. And of course, who would forget Hatim Ben Arfa, who had his spells in the Premier League. And they've got the Ayu brothers, John, Jordan and Andre Ayu, who currently are playing in the Premier League. And then you have Stefan, Stefan Mabia. You know, players, players like this were once part of the success of Marseille. And it was a joy. It was honestly a joy to watch them because they had one of the most successful seasons when they went on a 15-game unbeaten run in the league. Uh, this is coming towards the end of the 2009-2010 season. So, Marseille did uh, progress eventually. They <coughs> were doing better. But eventually, uh, these players that they had grew inches and uh, were getting the attention from the other clubs. And eventually, a lot of them had left, which caused them... They, not say cost them, but they found it a bit difficult to replace these players. They did bring in some pretty good talent after the past few years, you know. They they are a good team now, but they are not as up to that level as they were back then because you've got the powerhouse of PSG now with the money that have come to the club several years ago. So there's quite quite hard competition there. So it's not the easiest uh of um, years for Marcy to look forward to unless they look to do a turnaround but yeah talking about all these clubs these were some of the clubs that really um, caught my attention during the 2009-2010 season and you know moving on from that as well the seasons after that I, I do hope that these clubs actually you know get get the improvement they need and get the funds they need and get the success they always had, you know, previously and get back to the ways they were. So that's that's pretty much um the players and teams that I watched growing up. There's definitely more there there was so many more teams and players that I grew up watching, but <clears throat> these these teams and players were definitely the highlight for me and stood out for me. They may not have been the best of players or the most successful, but they definitely stood out, you know. They have to stand out and do something for someone to actually spot them out, you know. And this is why I felt that they definitely made an effect in my life and continued to grow my love for football. Because, as we all know, football is very different now. So it's rather hard to see things like this happening, right? So I hope you guys actually enjoyed my point of view of the clubs and players which i watched growing up you know i hope i hope one day you guys could probably share with me your players and teams that you watched growing up and how they inspired you as well so that's all from me today i hope you guys enjoyed it and i'll see you on the next episode take care and bye bye